Welcome to In Clear Terms with AARP California. Conversations on issues impacting Californians of all ages. Here's your host, Theon Gordon. Welcome to In Clear Terms with AARP California. Join us as we dive into issues and policies that impact Californians of all ages, particularly older adults, and learn how you can connect with AARP to make our state more livable for all. I am an AARP volunteer and your host, Dr. Theon Gordon. This year, Social Security turned 88, and the program is as popular as ever across generations and political spectrums. Happy birthday, Social Security! Current beneficiaries, both retired and disabled, rely heavily on their Social Security payments. And those who are not eligible hope to rely on these benefits when they need them as well. Social Security remains a core part of Americans' retirement security. And this is why today we are talking with Tom Nichols, Government Affairs Director for AARP. Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Dr. Gordon. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Wonderful. Let's get started. And before we get started too fully into all the questions I want to ask you, tell us what you do at AARP. Sure, absolutely. Well, so I am, uh, as you mentioned, a government affairs director inside of AARP's government affairs department. And my work is specifically around doing social security issues uh, for AARP, our, you know, 37 million members and all older Americans nationwide. If you want to use the dreaded term lobbyist, uh, that's actually what I am. Uh, I basically am an advocate both in Congress and in executive branch agencies to try to make sure that Social Security remains strong and protected and secure for not only current generations, but also for future generations as well. Sounds wonderful to me. And we could use the term lobbyist or advocate because we know advocacy is a lot of the work that AARP does. AARP has been a champion for keeping Social Security strong for current and future retirees. So I want to start with a few basic questions about Social Security. For those who might not understand what it is, can you just give us a brief review of what is Social Security? Sure, absolutely. To start out with, Social Security is insurance, and it is insurance against the loss of income due to retirement, disability, or the loss of a primary breadwinner, right? So um, it is the bedrock of financial security for tens of millions of Americans currently, like I said, who fit into those categories, who are retired, who uh, those with disabilities, or survivors of former workers, right? Social Security was created in 1935, as you mentioned. Actually, Social Security just hit its 88th birthday last week. And it was, like I said, it was, it was created in 1935 in the aftermath of the Great Depression and all of the economic calamity that came out of it. And it's based on the concept of social insurance, right? That individuals throughout their working lives, they contribute to a central fund that is managed by the government. And then this fund is then used to provide 
that financial security and income to those individuals, those workers, when they retire or, or can no longer work. Most of us, I think the vast majority of us are probably very familiar with Social Security as a retirement benefit. But like I said, I also want to highlight how important it is even before we're retired. You know, unfortunately, there are many folks who become disabled while they're working. So Social Security is also there for them in their disability. And again, uh, that the, when, when a primary worker passes away, Social Security also provides benefits to their spouse or their children uh, after they pass. Well, that is a great, very clear definition. I love the idea of it being insurance against the loss of income. And I actually remember as a child, my father passed away uh, when I was a young child. And I believe we received Social Security benefits for my mother to continue raising us. So Social Security absolutely is a bedrock in our community. As we think about Social Security as this insurance for loss of income, I have insurance and I have to pay for it every month. How is Social Security funded? Sure. So it is funded basically in three ways, right? But there's one really primary way that it's funded, and that is through the payroll tax, right? So every check that American workers earn, if you look at it closely, you'll see something on there called the FICA tax, right? Which is the in, uh, in federal, federal Insurance Contribution Act. And that is basically going towards Social Security. Workers pay 6.2% of their earnings up to $160,200. And employers also pay an, the 6.2% uh, on those earnings up to $160,200. And that is how Social Security is primarily funded. There are also a couple other ways that it gets its funding. Social Security, the excesses that have gone into Social Security for the last 30 or 40 years have gone into being invested in United States Treasury bonds. So there is interest on those Treasury bonds. And so Social Security gets some funding from that. And there are folks out there who, depending on other income they have in retirement, some of their Social Security benefits may actually be taxable from the federal government. And so that is one of the other ways that Social Security gets its money. But primarily, it is through the FICA tax. Uh, 182 million workers out there currently contributing to Social Security every paycheck through the FICA tax. Okay. And it sounds like if it's in Treasury bonds and things like that, there's not a lot of risk with the money that's being invested into this federal insurance and thank you for saying what FICA is. I remember some young people coming to me and literally crying. They're like, who is FICA and why are they taking part of our check? We never learned about this. So the Federal Insurance Contribution Act, and it goes towards our Social Security in the future. That is perfect. Who would qualify for Social Security and when can you claim your benefits for Social Security? Sure. Let's start with the idea that, again, that Social Security is sort of three, three separate kind of, well, maybe not separate, but three parts, right? Retirement, disability, and survivor benefits. As far as who can claim Social Security, right? And so on the, on, this is all based, again, on working, right? And so a worker, particularly for, on their retirement benefits, they have to work for what is basically 40 quarters or about 10 years in order to qualify for Social Security, right? So they would be working, they would be contributing to Social Security for 40 quarters, and then therefore then they would qualify. 
So I will also point out, though, that that even if you qualify basically with 40 quarters, it's important to note that when Social Security calculates your retirement benefit eventually, they calculate it based on your top 35 years of earning, right? So that 40 quarters is sort of initial uh, qualification for Social Security, but Social Security also rewards sort of much longer work as well. And again, they calculate your benefits based on 35 years of earning. As far as disability benefits, the calculations, it's a, it's a little bit different. Basically, there's a you have to be working recently and you have to have met a certain number of quarters. And I think the younger you are, the less quarters you have to make. But uh, basically nothing over 40 quarters. And then, of course, if you're a survivor of a primary worker, you would basically qualify based on the work that that other worker, that your husband, perhaps, or your wife or your father, uh, have had done. So it's all based on that a person qualify for for Social Security either because of their own work or because of the work of their spouse or their parent. Okay, so once you are qualified, you have your 40 quarters. Let's go to the uh, retirement part first, uh, because that's what most people look at Social Security for. You get to your retirement part, you retire at 50 years old. Can you just take your Social Security? So, no. And, uh, Thank you for reminding me of the second part of your question is uh, as far as when you can start collecting Social Security, right? So on the retirement side, you can start collecting Social Security at age 62, right? And that would be known as either the early retirement age or basically the minimum benefit age. So that would be the first time you could start collecting your own retirement benefits under Social Security. There is something known as your full retirement age, and this is based on when you were born. So for now, basically, it is around now, anybody who was born in 1950s and later, you're you're looking at about 66 years and a certain number of months in order to be at your full retirement age or your full benefit age, basically. For those of us who were born after 1960, our full retirement age would be at 67. So that's the point when if you were to retire at 67, you would basically get the full benefit that you had earned. Does this change with different administrations or something like that? I don't know why 65 was always when I thought was the retirement age. So previously, when Congress has made changes to Social Security to sort of shore up its long-term finances, they made changes to the retirement age, right? And basically... That it, I think, you know, in years past, everyone's full retirement age would have been 65, but they slowly started to increase that retirement age based on what year you were born to the point where now, like I said, depending on what year you were born, particularly for those of us born in 1960, it's 67 is your full retirement age. I should note that if you do retire at 62, you actually get, like I said, it's a minimum benefit age, right? Is that because they reduce your benefit? Because essentially you're you're receiving benefits over a longer period of time. So you would actually get the probably the same amount of money, but because you've started collecting it earlier, they would reduce that benefit every year, you know, for the amount of time that you've retired early. The opposite is true. If you wait until after your full retirement age, all the way up to age 70, you can actually get what they call delayed retirement credits. So your social security benefit would increase by a year after your full retirement age up to age 70 because the opposite is true, right? You would are basically collecting money over a shorter period of time. So they increase that benefit in order to make up for that. 
And that'll be decreased or in, decreased at 62 or increased if you wait up until 70 for the, the lifetime of your Social Security benefits, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I think maybe with some exceptions in terms of you could retire and perhaps stop retiring and then go back, but that those are very limited. But you're, uh, the broad case, yes, absolutely. As soon as you basically retire, you essentially lock in whatever benefit level you have for the rest of your life. Now, granted, we'll also point out that Social Security is inflation protected. So every year, based on the inflation compared to last year, folks get a cost of living adjustment. So your the flat dollar amount that you get actually does go up every year. But in a sense, your purchasing power sort of as soon as you retire, you lock in that sort of level of purchasing power for the rest of your life. Okay. All right. This is such interesting information because we have been in a, a couple of generations utilizing Social Security now. And so it's different for different generations. So we know now who qualifies. You can qualify as a survivor. You can qualify uh, as a survivor of someone who has, who has earned the benefit. You can qualify if you are disabled. And you can qualify for retirement early at 62 Regular age would be 66 and 67, depending upon your birth year. So now tell us, with all this qualification and the investments into this Insurance Act, tell us about Social Security today and what we should be concerned about, especially should we be concerned that it's going to run out? How long is Social Security actually going to be around? So very good questions, and one that I think that is on the mind of a lot of folks. I think a lot of folks see news reports that say that Social Security, perhaps they use the word bankrupt or run it out. And immediately folks would naturally go to the idea that at some point in time in the future, Social Security is going to not be able to give anybody any benefits whatsoever. It's gonna be completely bankrupt, no money in it whatsoever, and it's gonna go away. This is simply not the case. So the current financial status of the Social Security trust funds are that Social Security can continue to pay 100% of promised benefits to everybody until 2034. At that point, if Congress doesn't make any changes to Social Security, which is, I will say, very unlikely, Congress has made changes in the past and we firmly believe that they're going to do so again. But let's say for a second that they didn't make any changes. What happens then? In 2034, people, everybody, either current beneficiaries or future beneficiaries, would have their Social Security benefits reduced by about 20%. So they would get about 80% of the benefits that they've been promised. And that would be true until uh, way out till past 2095. And the reason that Social Security can continue to pay even 80% of promised benefits is, is, again, don't forget how Social Security gets its money, right? So as long as there are workers that are out there in the economy that are contributing to Social Security, they're paying that FICA tax, there is always money coming into Social Security. The question is, is whether or not that money coming in is enough to pay 100% of promised benefits. And again, after 2034, without any particular changes from Congress, the amount of money coming in through the FICA tax is only enough to pay 80% of promised benefits. 
But like I said, I need to be very clear. It's not going away. It's not going to go down to zero. You would have reduced benefits at the worst if Congress doesn't act. But again, we really do firmly believe that Congress will act at some point, as, as they have in the past, to shore up Social Security for decades to come, at least. Well, that's reassuring in some sense. And then also still feels like it needs a little fixing in other senses. What is or, or what are some of the solutions on fixing Social Security, on looking at the different ways we're working now? So I think if we back out to sort of like the 30,000 foot level, right? So Social Security is essentially you have funding coming in and you have benefits going out, right? I mean, that's that's honestly about as as basic as it gets, right? So in terms of what you could do, the most basic answer to that question is obviously you could either increase the amount of money that's coming into the system. You could reduce the amount of money that is going out in benefits. You, or you could do perhaps some type of combination of those two things. That That is sort of the 30,000 foot example of what you could do, right? Bring more money in, have less money going out in benefits, perhaps, you know, or uh, maybe do a combination of both of those things. You could probably make some changes too, much like they have in the past in terms of when you're able to get benefits, right? I, obviously, I've mentioned before that in the past, Congress has increased the retirement age. Not that that's the one that I want to start with, but uh, it's another possibility that is talked about often here in Washington, D.C. So I think a couple of the things that I think are often talked about, again, so I mentioned earlier that the vast majority of ways Social Security gets its finances is that people pay 6.2% of their earnings up to $160,200. So one of the ways that's often talked about in Washington is you could increase that $160,200 to some other level, right? Um, uh, in the past, that level, which they call the cap, uh, was enough, was at a level where it basically applied to about 90% of the wages that are out in the United States economy. Uh, since, you know, over the last maybe three or four decades, that 90% has effectively dropped down to about 82%, right? So you could increase that cap so that it once again applies to about 90% of the wages that are out there. If you were to do that, I think that that 160,200 cap would probably go up somewhere north of 300,000, right? So you would you could increase the cap on social security. There are folks out there who talk about maybe we should apply the cap at higher levels, right? So maybe above 250,000 or above 400,000 or eliminate the cap entirely. So there's lots of sort of conversations around the cap. I would say another one of the often discussed ways of changing Social Security is on the retirement age. Like I said, I think that it's it's certainly one that people talk about often, right? They, uh, again, right now, your full retirement age really depends on when you were born. As you mentioned, it's around 66 or 67, depending on when you were born. It is conceivable that, you know, you could increase those, move it up to higher ages, in order to start receiving your full benefit. I think that it's important to note that 
there aren't necessarily easy solutions. All of these solutions come with, just like everything else in life, hurdles that you have to get over, people who would like these changes, people who would not like these changes. And so it's, uh, I think that it is important that Congress have that sort of open discussion where everybody can kind of put their two cents in and say, that's a change that I would actually like to see in Social Security. I would like you to do X, and I would not like you to do Y. And I think that it is very important for everybody to communicate to their members of Congress on what are the types of things that they would like to see as far as Social Security. Do you prefer to have make more contributions going into the system? Do you prefer to have perhaps benefits slowed down for folks? Do you prefer to have the retirement age go up? Again, a lot of things that, you know, they could be very controversial. And I think that it's important for folks to be able to express what their opinions are about those and any solutions that Congress is talking about. Well, it's really important for us to express our opinions. And I, I appreciate that that's one of the things AARP does in terms of advocacy and thinking of some of these fixes. When I think of the retirement age increase, I think that's one way that we are uh, setting a goal to live longer. That's for sure. It, it makes our aspirational lifespan much longer. What is AARP doing in terms of this advocacy? I know inviting us to communicate to Congress what we would like to see. But what else is AARP doing to ensure that Social Security is around for future generations? So we are, and we always have been, we are always talking to members of Congress. We're always talking, we're always up on the Hill advocating that Congress needs to address this future insolvency for Social Security sooner rather than later. That's the most, that's the, that's the first thing. They need to get to this right away because the earlier you get to it, the smaller the changes that would have to be made because then you're able to sort of let them develop for the next 10 years. It's a lot like saving for retirement. If you start saving early, you could sort of start putting away smaller amounts and that those smaller amounts then grow the longer they're sort of in some type of a retirement system, right? So, and the longer you wait to save for retirement, the sort of larger those, the changes you have to make in order to put away sort of a similar amount of money. So very similar to Social Security is that the sooner that Congress would be able to get to it, the smaller the changes would have to be made. Although I will say that since we are about 10 years out, these changes are going to be less and less small, frankly. So it really is, first and foremost, let's get to this as soon as possible, right? The other thing that we talk about is, and I mentioned it a little bit before, is that we are always advocating that the American people need to be brought into this conversation. We need to have an open, transparent, public conversation about the future of Social Security and what those changes are going to look like. Social Security is so important to people. I can't understate that, right? It's There are 66 million Americans who are currently receiving Social Security, but who they rely on it really heavily, right? There's over 6 million Californians who are currently receiving Social Security benefits and rely on it really heavily, right? So you're looking about 50% of older folks rely on Social Security for at least 50% of their retirement income. About somewhere around maybe 20% of older folks rely on Social Security for 90% or more of their income. So they really rely on Social Security heavily. 
I think that our concern is, is that current, uh, you know, a sort of near retirees or, or even, you know, future retirees are going to rely perhaps even more heavily on Social Security. You know, there are far fewer defined benefit pension plans out there. For a lot of folks, only about 50% of the workforce has access to a workplace retirement plan. So they might not be saving at, you know, through their employer and personal savings, you know, can be very difficult. It's, it's very hard when you're trying to make ends meet month to month to basically put money away. So we think that there's a lot of folks who are going to rely really heavily on social security in the future as well. So it is just really important that they have this open bipartisan conversation where the American people are brought in and we really think about what does their retirement security, what is it going to look like in the future, and how can Social Security play its best role to help people in their retirement security? That's the appropriate lens to try to figure out what changes to make to Social Security. Frankly, it's not about deficit reduction, and it's not necessarily even just about solvency of Social Security either. It's about this program was designed to make sure that people were able to live with dignity in retirement and to help them in their retirement. And so we need to look at changes to Social Security through the lens of their retirement security. Okay. Well, that's great ways to look at it. And I'm so happy that AARP is on top of that. Now, as we talk about AARP, we usually think of people 50 plus. For those who are not yet close to retirement age, but are curious to know about their benefits, how can they find out more about their benefits and the estimate of what it might look like at any time? Yep, absolutely. So I will say uh, I'm going to make a pitch for the Social Security Administration here, right? So and they they have something called a My Social Security account at ssa.gov front slash my account. And it's a great resource. If you go on and sign up for a My Social Security account, you can get a whole bunch of information about your benefits. You can see estimated benefits at various ages. You could uh, perhaps, you know, maybe order a new Social Security card if you happen to need one. You could review your earnings record, which is really important just to make sure that those earnings record are accurate, you know, obviously because it's that's how they're going to calculate your Social Security benefit at some point in the future. So they need to make sure that your earnings record is accurate. And when it comes time, there are a lot of things that you can do online at the Social Security Administration, including applying for your benefits. So I think starting with that My SSA account and utilizing SSA's online resources would be a good place to go. Okay, so ssa.gov forward slash my account. That's a great resource to go to. Now, when we start talking about a lot of these resources that are government-backed or government resources, one of the major issues that we hear is that they're difficult getting through. And with our older adults, they actually have complained about the difficulty of getting through the Social Security Administration's customer service. Many experience long hold times or drop calls when trying to get through to a service agent. And last year, almost half of the 151 million calls to the national 1-800 number and field offices went unanswered, including 16.4 million callers who just gave up while waiting. Why is this happening and what can we do about it? So I, I think it's a combination of things. And I think that it is primarily a combination that Social Security, the Social Security Administration 
has actually been, from our perspective, probably underfunded for about the last decade, if not more, right? And and this has also occurred at the same time that basically that their customer base has grown, right? So more and more folks are retiring these days. It's about 10,000 new retirees a day. So you can imagine there's more sort of customers for Social Security to deal with at a time when they've gotten lower funding from Congress, right? The, the numbers are actually that their funding has dropped. I'm sorry, their customer base has grown by about 21%, while their funding has dropped by about 17%, counting inflation. So when you combine those things, that I think results in worsening customer service. Social Security is also experiencing about a 25-year low in their staffing levels at the moment as well. So, you know, fewer people in order to help the customers that they have. So I think that those combination of things are probably the the primary drivers of what's going on. Now, granted, Social Security, I know that they're, you know, they're working on a new phone system and things like that, and that certainly has caused a, a temporary and very frustrating uh, a blip for, for folks. And so I think, you know, obviously there are some administrative things that perhaps could be improved on as well. But I, I guess that I really think that the funding and the staffing levels are probably big drivers of what's going on. So AARP has been working very hard on trying to get the Social Security Administration the funding that it needs to help improve customer service, to hire mo- more folks, and to really get the customer service up to a level that folks honestly that they that they deserve right they've been paying social security their whole lives they should be able to not only should they be able to get their benefits which is wonderful social security does a great job on that but if they're having a problem they should also be able to to expect good customer service from the social security administration absolutely absolutely well maybe you can give us some tips on if someone can't get through to a customer service agent are there any workarounds uh, anything that you can advise on Sure, absolutely. Let's stay just on the on the phone. And so first, actually, let me let me go right to the horse's mouth in terms of from Social Security, right? So they themselves say that wait times to speak to a representative are typically shorter early in the day between 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. local time. And then later on in the afternoon between 4 p.m. and 7 p.m. local time. They also apparently tend to be less busy later on in the week. So Wednesday to Friday, although I will say, I think from AARP's own guidance, maybe skipping Wednesday might be a good idea as well, because those are the days that payments are made. So that could also be sort of a peak busy time for them. So I think trying to get at those early, like, you know, call them early, call them later, call them later in the week, uh, and perhaps not calling them early in the month either when payments are, are made, right? I will go back to, for those who are are comfortable doing things online. I think that you could, they, they do have a lot of services online if you're able, if you have the resources in order to do it, if you have the wherewithal. I myself, I'm not terribly technologically advanced, but I will say that for those who are, I think basically being able to, like trying to go online and to do what you might might need to do uh, would be a good idea as well. I would also say that it's possible, you know, try to, uh, talk to a local office rather than perhaps calling the national 1-800 number. I think that you might be able to be a little bit more successful in terms of talking to folks a little bit quicker at a local office uh, as opposed to the national 800 number. But again, let me be clear. 
That really does differ from place to place, so it's not necessarily a guaranteed uh, way of getting around. You know, way of getting around the call wait times. Okay, well, at least those are some good tips for us to to take a look at. Call earlier in the day. Call later in the day. Wednesdays may not be as good because that's a, a payout day. Try online services, and I've tried online. Online seems to work well. Uh, and then uh, local offices versus national offices, but that may not be in every locality. So as we look at Social Security's office being a little swamped based on what you shared, lower employee rate there and uh, higher turnout with us baby boomers getting older, understand that we have some AARP Social Security centers. What information can we find there and how can we use them? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I, and I should have added this as one of the one of the ways to maybe work around if you're having difficulties interacting with the Social Security Administration is that if you're looking for information about Social Security, that AARP's Social Security Resource Center is also a good place to go. Right. Um, so it uh, it includes a comprehensive mix of calculators, tools, articles, you can, you can actually submit questions if you want to. A calculator can help you determine the amount of money you'll receive at various ages from Social Security. There's answers to common questions on there. And it's also a great place to go to take advocacy action and to tell your elected officials how important Social Security is to you and to your family. Well, that's a great resource center. And are they only online? Yes. The Social Security Resource Center is at aarp.org front slash social security, all one word. Okay. aarp.org forward slash social security for the AARP Social Security Resource Center. And there's lots of resources there to give you information on social security. We could talk about this all day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. Like I said, I, I really appreciate uh, being able to be here and to talk to you. It's been wonderful. So, Tom, if you could leave our listeners with one soundbite, what would that be? Yeah. So, again, I think I'm biased, right? As an advocate for AARP, for, as an advocate for older folks, my soundbite is really to participate in that advocacy. Prior to my time at AARP, I was a, a congressional staffer, right? And we one of the major jobs of a congressional staffer is to take phone calls and letters from constituents about, about their thoughts, about their wants, their needs, how they felt about things. It is absolutely invaluable for congressional staff to basically be able to understand how they should advise their boss, how they should feel about particular issues, basically hearing directly from their constituents. So my soundbite, although it's not much of a soundbite, this is a, a professional hazard, I tend to talk and talk and talk, is get involved, take action, right? Call your elected officials, send them an email, tell them how important Social Security is to you, tell them how much you want it to be there for, their, for your children and your grandchildren. You recognize if you're already retired, how important it is to your own life, and you see very much how your, how your children and your grandchildren are going to need the exact same thing. So take action reach out, make phone calls, make friends with the congressional staffers who will talk to you on the phone. And like I said, don't allow changes to be made without your input. Tom, thank you for joining us on In Clear Terms with AARP California. This was an incredibly informative conversation. 
Well, again, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It was, it was great spending time with you. Thank you for joining us on In Clear Terms with AARP California. This was an incredibly informative conversation. Again, we have had the pleasure of speaking with Tom Nichols from AARP's Government Affairs about the future of Social Security. If you would like more information, please visit aarp.org forward slash social security. That's aarp.org forward slash social security. In future episodes, we look forward to hosting experts who can shed light on critical issues in our state, how AARP California is working to ensure the voice of those ages 50 plus is heard, and how you, our listeners, can learn more and act on these important decisions. Thank you for listening.